In today's episode of A Deeper Dive, we'll be talking about food delivery and how it can help you reach more customers. Partnering with today's sponsor, Uber Eats, is one of the best ways you can grow your business through delivery. At the top of the food and drink category in the App Store, Uber Eats is dedicated to helping you delight customers with reliable delivery at Uber Speed. Visit about.ubereats.com rb to start expanding your reach today. Well, I think it's a foregone conclusion that uh, third-party uh, delivery services are uh, pretty much here to stay. Delivery is the single biggest trend in the restaurant industry in 2018. It is upending how restaurant chains do business, it is making some companies more competitive than ever, and it's opening some concepts to entirely new customer bases. Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, the executive editor with Restaurant Business Magazine, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive is all about delivery. In this episode, we will explore the delivery trend and especially the use of third-party services and its impact on sales. Later, I talk with Melissa Wilson, a principal with restaurant business sister company Technomic and an expert on delivery. We discuss the impact delivery is having on restaurant brands, and she will provide tips and strategies for how restaurant companies can add that service. The rise of third-party delivery services and consumers' clear demand for that kind of service has led to a rapid increase in the number of customers that get their food delivered to their home. It's coming as off-premise sales at restaurants rise rapidly, now 44% of all restaurant sales, and expected to increase dramatically in the next few years. While some companies are keeping the service in-house, like Outback Steakhouse and Panera Bread, most restaurant chains are using third-party services, and they're definitely popular. Just this week, a nine-year-old girl was invited to speak at the Taco Bell convention after writing a letter to the company that says it should start delivery. Many companies are running promotions to court more customers to their delivery service, including McDonald's and Chipotle Mexican Grill. On this podcast, we featured many restaurant chain executives, all of whom have said they are working on adding delivery. The opening comment was from Hoyt Jones, the president of Jersey Mike Subs, which is one of a number of sandwich chains that are adding delivery. The company has quietly added delivery at hundreds of its restaurants and sees it as an opportunity to give its customers another avenue of service. Uh, Certainly for regular customers that know the brand and know the product, uh, uh, to have an additional uh, way to get uh, the product, you know, served to you when you're time sensitive and you maybe can't get to a store and enjoy the the banter and the, uh, the service that we like to give in the stores. That you can get it delivered, it's uh, it's it's great for you know all parties, the restaurant and the uh, and the customer. The growing popularity of the services has convinced some skeptics about the potential the business has to offer for many chains. I've been a skeptic of delivery from the get-go, but it's difficult to ignore the service's potential, and it's also difficult to ignore that consumers really want more on-the-go options. The fact that many restaurant companies say it provides a location with a boost in sales only adds to the service's allure. Dave Benninghausen, CEO of Noodles & Company, says he was sensitive to the service's profitability early on, but he has been convinced that delivery is now increasingly important to a restaurant chain's offering. I came up through the finance ranks and uh, 
you know, I'm very cynical on certain things like, like delivery, but clearly we were seeing in all of our restaurants that have had it that it brings in incremental sales that would not otherwise be coming to you. Um, so it, it, it does make a return and it does build top line and bottom line. And uh, I think your, your point of is it becoming table stakes is, is accurate. I think that's where the, the industry is going. The rapid increase in the use of delivery and takeout, however, is forcing some companies to reconsider everything. Noodles & Company, in fact, has had to shift from a primarily dine-in type concept to more of a takeout concept. And many companies have had to rethink even their locations. As takeout demand continues to increase and restaurant companies are serving fewer dine-in customers, they have to rethink how they're building and opening new units. James Walker, the vice president of North America for Subway, spoke on the podcast about how companies should view their restaurants in an era of delivery. Not all sites are created equal. Not even every 1,200 square foot location is created equal. So it's looking at the physical plant of the restaurant and determining how you're going to service both of those guests. That guest that comes in that wants to interact with the sandwich artist, um, they're probably still in a hurry. I think everybody's in a hurry this, uh, these days. But we also want to make sure that we've got that very frictionless, fluid transaction with those individuals who did take the time to place uh, their order on our app or through a third-party vendor. There are some good ways for companies to win over delivery customers. Don Fox, the CEO of Firehouse Subs, and a chain that plans to use both self-delivery and third-party services, says that a key element involves not just being on the services apps, but in getting strong position on those apps. And that means doing a good job where it counts, in the restaurant. Number one, as an operator, be on the app, basic mm -hmm. 101. Right. But managing your placement on there, and managing your placement on there is well, it can be a function, uh, depending on the third-party carrier, it can be uh, a function of paying a higher rate, uh, you know, buying your way up the list. But I, I, what my experience has been looking at it, looking at our own system's performance, uh, the, the main way to get up the list with a lot of these services is quite simply to do a really great job. Melissa Wilson has become an expert on the delivery trend and how companies can take advantage of it. I spoke with Melissa, who provides some excellent guidance for restaurant chains looking to add the service. So delivery has seemingly burst onto the scene in recent years, and my question to you is this. Is the service a necessary element in a restaurant chain's growth plan? Does a restaurant company have to have delivery right now? Oh, wow, that is an excellent question, Jonathan. Um, no question that delivery is one of the strongest growth areas in the industry right now. Um, whether long-term a restaurant has to have it, we, the crystal ball needs to be out looking ahead a few years, but at, at the moment, certainly any restaurant should be evaluating their delivery strategy. Okay. So what kind of companies stand to win with delivery? I mean, are there some uh, restaurant chains, some restaurant brands, independents or whatever, who, who stand to, to do better with delivery than others? I mean, any anything like that? No, absolutely. Uh, delivery's growth uh, has certainly been initially a bright light for casual dining and mm -hmm. mid-scale restaurants, both, as you know, segments that have struggled for a number of years. As consumers mm -hmm. suddenly had the option of ordering from restaurant segments that previously didn't offer delivery, um, we have seen a shift in segment usage. Well, mm -hmm. since, to your point, uh, many independents have found this to be an opportunity to create awareness, gain trial of their brands for them, an effective marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it better in certain markets than others? 
um, in certain uh, segments than others, or in well, sir, in certain yeah, let's, it's, let's yeah, let's start with segments. So is it better in certain segments of the restaurant industry than others? I mean, is it uh, just casual dining that's benefiting, or or are we seeing some others? Or well, we def- definitely certainly over the last year and a half, more and more brands have been joining the the delivery or the third party party, and. Mm-hmm. In a sense, that may over time level the playing field. Those that were early on certainly um, uh, gained incremental revenue. We are hearing from operators across all segments that they are experiencing incremental revenue, but as more and more brands across segments join, the the level the playing field may, may be leveled over time. Right. I think that's... Yeah, I think that's the one of the things that we hear is is just pretty much universally as everybody says, oh, it's incremental, it's incremental, it's incremental. It's hard for me to imagine it remaining incremental for very long. And then ultimately, this is going to be how people want to access your brand, and they would prefer it over certain other other uses. Yeah, no, no, no question. And so, as uh, again, as more um, segments and brands uh, come into play. I think we're going to see more of the traditional um, areas of differentiation, marketing levers, et cetera, become more important. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, one of the things uh, – well, the other question is, are, are there certain types of markets? Like um, uh, is, it, is it still primarily an urban phenomenon, um, or are we seeing uh, – or say, around a, a university or a college, or are we seeing this in, in more suburban and other types of markets? No, it's a, it's a great question, and that's been another rapid shift um, that is evidenced by the significant growth we've seen with delivery. Um, just two, two and a half years ago, this was concentrated in major um, metropolitan markets. Um, that said, every market has always had a third-party delivery provider. Um, mm-hmm. And, and independent of some sort, but um, as these uh, third-party providers are looking to to grow, um, they're expanding rapidly, um, and in many cases, they're snapping up and purchasing the local independents so that they can achieve a, a greater national footprint. Um, we definitely have seen um, significant expansion um, beyond the major metropolitan markets in, in across uh, broader DMAs and into um, more secondary cities and suburban markets. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh do you think that this sort of gives uh independence um a, a a leg up or do you ultimately think that chains are gonna um have some strength in this? Yeah, again good question. I mean, on an overall basis in the restaurant industry we have seen a shift the last year or two in terms of independence uh compared to chains achieving higher rates of growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, part of that may be fueled by uh, the delivery phenomenon, or it, part of it is fueled by other factors in the consumer decision, wanting to support local brands, wanting something mm-hmm. unique, something different. Um, certainly the larger chains have the uh, ability to perhaps absorb some of the cost expenses and to look more strategically at how they can compare costs or, or, or uh, adjust their concept for this off-premise shift that an independent does. But in the mm-hmm. near term, independents definitely are, are telling us that they're benefiting just from brand awareness and trial. Yeah, I, I, th- I think a lot of uh, a lot of uh, technology and um, social media and and then now the availability of delivery has really helped 
sort of level the playing field between chains and, and independents. So some of the benefits that chains would have traditionally, which would be like uh, you get um, – uh, you know, you, you don't have, you know, you know what you're going to get at a chain, whereas, you know, independence historically, you just didn't know whether one would be good or not unless you had like a strong recommendation from a bunch of people. So it was a lot more work to determine what the local good local independent was versus a chain. Uh, but now you have rating services, um, you have, uh, you have, uh, you know, social media awareness, you have uh, all, all sorts of other things. And then delivery just sort of adds another layer to me, I think. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Now, one of the things that, that's a bit interesting to observe as more of the third-party providers expand and more and more chains get on board has been to watch um, how the chains are employing different marketing levers within the third-party apps. You know, for example, mm-hmm. as an example, Wendy's um, has been doing promotions where they've been offering free delivery. Um, as mm-hmm. they've rolled in a different market. So that, that is one arena that even though independents um, can benefit from the, the trial and awareness, most of them can't subsidize that type of uh, expense. Um, so again, it's going to be interesting to, to see how that plays out. Um, operator, I'm sorry, consumers definitely have been telling us this year that they are looking more at um, differences in delivery fees when they're choosing um, from whom to order for a specific occasion. Yeah, yeah. We've seen a lot of these uh, marketing uh, uh, marketing efforts to bolster delivery recently. Um, McDonald's, in fact, has one right now uh, with uh, uh, with Uber Eats. They have a um, you know they're offering free delivery uh, during September. Uh, we've seen Chipotle do this. We've seen yeah. a number of companies that have. Uh, really started promoting delivery. Certainly when they introduce it, they're promoting it, but we see it other areas as well where, where they just run a promotion in a bid to try to get more people to, to use the service. Yeah, no, no question. And I have also been observing in some cases, and again, this is, this would be on a market specific basis. So it's a little bit anecdotal right now, but have been observing where some of the chains are. Um, deploying lower prices on certain nights of the week or during certain mm-hmm. times as well for delivery um, yeah. and in terms of delivery fees. So they, they might, during an early evening period, have a delivery fee of $1.99, but as it goes up to peak period, it might shift to a $3.99 delivery fee. Mm-hmm. So what are the things, let's say I'm a restaurant brand or an independent, what should I consider if I'm thinking about offering delivery at my restaurant company? Oh, well, in a nutshell, everything. You know, first mm-hmm. and foremost, you know, determine your strategy, um, where mm-hmm. this fits in your overall brand vision. Over the past few years, the industry has been reacting to this disruption and, and working to respond, and, and there's just so many ramifications to keep in mind. So if you are looking to deploy delivery or to ramp up, um, you know, evaluate everything. You need to examine operations um, how is how is your product going to to be transported um, reevaluate packaging because packaging that was originally designed for example in casual dining for leftovers mm-hmm. doesn't work to communicate <laughs> your your brand um, for delivery through a third party um, think about uh, evaluating your production operations in the heart of the house um, do you need to reconfigure your line? 
where mm-hmm. will the delivery drivers come? Uh, will they come into the main entrance or will be there, there be a separate area? Do you want the delivery drivers to come to curbside pickup? Um, if they are coming in the restaurant, is there a place for them and their bags that's not going to mm-hmm. disrupt your, your in-person guests? And I'd say one of the key, key questions as you're evaluating everything that, that we are strongly trying to communicate to the industry is let's not lose sight of the experience for your in-restaurant guest while we're servicing the, the delivery guest as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we've seen a, 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 some pretty different um, kind of responses and results off of this. I think uh, Chipotle is adding a second make line, for instance, um, which is, you know, and in, in, in part of that, uh, part of the purpose of that second make line is to is to give you know is for delivery orders and and you know and takeout and other things and catering and uh you know it and that is supposed to help with its capacity and and not like burden these you know not burden the existing make line at a time when it's very busy at lunch and um it it appears to be working very well the company is really really excited about it we've also had some on the opposite side we've had some challenges um uh, you know, with companies that have maybe had the pickup with the host table in a casual dining restaurant, has had the pickup with a host table and it hasn't necessarily worked. And it's sort of distracted, as you mentioned, it's distracted from, uh, you know, from, you know, the, your regular dining guests and, and, and then it sort of, um, hurt their sales. Yeah, no, no question. And, uh, we're seeing operators across the, the industry looking at a lot of different approaches. To your point, yes, um, some are testing a separate um, prep line. Um, Some are evaluating changes to restaurant design where Mm -hmm. there is actually a whole separate kitchen or prep line um, available for takeout off-premise, and they'll leverage it for their catering as well. Uh, A a big question or concern is is what you just brought up is if uh, the orders are being staged or being placed at the front of the house at the hostess, is that host is the first impression of a dining guest still going to be a smile and eye contact mm-hmm. from the hostess, or is the hostess going to be tied up entering orders into the tablet? Um, similarly, we've also heard from some operators in, in, in full service challenges about how to decide who is going to package the orders. Because when you think about mm-hmm. a t- an employee whose primary compensation is tips, if it's a server, um, that they're tasking to to package and assemble these off-premise orders for the delivery drivers to pick up, that server's not getting tipped for that <laughs> because the delivery driver isn't tipping them out. The tip is going mm-hmm. to the delivery driver that works for somebody else. Um, so that's something that some full service operators are grappling with, with as well. Do they take that approach? And if so, what's that going to, how's that going to impact in this tight labor environment? Um, the, their service willingness to work in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, and then that sort of gets into all sorts of other issues about, especially in, in, in states where there's a tip credit um, that you, you know, you have to make sure you're paying these people the proper amount and, and and that sort of thing. And um, sort of uh, results in questions like that. Yeah, it, it sure does. You know, and we've seen some examples, you know, you mentioned Chipotle. We saw, for example, um, Mendocino Farms, which um, small, uh, growing fast casual chain out of Southern California. They actually redesigned their 
their vestibule area um, of their fast casual concept to have a seating area for the drivers that had uh, a deeper inset so that the bags would not interfere with their dine-in customers who were coming mm-hmm. in and out. And they've been working to encourage uh, programs such as the uh, store staff are allowed to uh, comp a beverage for the drivers that they like. So they're working to foster mm-hmm. um, collaborative communication and um if a driver's getting a free beverage, if uh, the store staff likes them, then one would assume that the driver's going to want to, to be in that um, circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, there are a lot of comp- things that, that companies have to think about. If you're, um, you know, if you are a, uh, uh, like a fast casual or, or a fast food restaurant, even, you know, you might have to rethink uh, how you're configuring your, your stores, uh, some look at parking spaces. Uh, we've heard that where, you know, maybe special parking spaces for delivery drivers um, or something simple like, uh, you know, uh, uh, pick up, you know, like sort of pick up counters. And but uh, I, I to me, I think the real challenge is, is is how casual dining restaurants have to deal with it, because it's sort of forcing them to think about an area that they've never really had to think about. So. You usually, like a casual dining restaurant, has always wanted people to stay and order drinks and pay their servers tips. But you have this 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 pretty massive trend towards takeout and delivery, and they have to think like a completely different restaurant almost. Yeah, no question. It it it, it is a pivot, and one of the things that you know when you look back. Not that long ago, but oh so long ago in this industry, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, think about when curbside pickup was the next big thing. And um, so many casual dining operators did go full bore with that, but you haven't really heard a lot of conversation about curbside pickup over the last 10 years or so, except for a few brands that still Mm -hmm. truly promote it. Um, So they, they had that. Uh, and some brands were um, ha- having as much as 10% of their revenue through their curbside pickup, but but tended to lose sight of that convenience. So they need mm-hmm. to go back to some of those lessons and learnings. And and to your point again, it's just you know the whole whole point of a full service restaurant is to enjoy the experience, enjoy the ambiance, and um, uh, include the beverage in the order because that that's a whole other pain point for operators right now if they're losing beverage orders that impacts their margins significantly um, mm-hmm. whether they're alcohol or non-alcohol beverages um, it can also be impacting their marketing funding credits from their beverage companies as well so again just when we when we talk about looking at what's happening with this shift to off-premise you really do have to evaluate everything because it's, it's yeah. impacting every aspect yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and and notwithstanding, not just the, you know, the example I gave of servers not getting tipped if they're packaging the orders, um, yet another uh, consideration is that in our industry where labor is really tight right now, um, these third-party companies are, in especially for quick service, becoming a potential competitor for labor, too, because mm-hmm. a restaurant employee can go work for, go drive for DoorDash or Postmates or Uber Eats um, and make about the same money but have a completely flexible schedule. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've heard um, – we've definitely heard restaurant executives complain about um, complain about this as they, they find it harder and harder to get employees. Um, they see 
they see some of these companies as competitors for employees and 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 taking some of the workforce that maybe could have uh, uh, worked at a restaurant over time and sort of forcing them to improve their benefits and and uh, look at different ways to to attract workers. It's it's uh, sort of adding to that. It's that's you know that's definitely an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, it is, and you know, again, other factors will come into play. We'll see as uh, gas costs continue to rise if that makes it less of an attractive um, uh, work choice um, or freelance mm-hmm. choice for for those that are going to, into the gig economy. Right. So uh, you mentioned packaging a little bit. One of the potential pitfalls, I think, to delivery is. Um, you know, sort of the quality of the food as it gets to the place. Is that a, is that a major, is, is that a major pitfall or do you think that, uh, do you think that consumers sort of understand that their food is taking a little bit and it's not going to be quite as good as it was if they were ordering it at the store? You know, that, this is a really fascinating area from, from what the research is telling us on two fronts. Um, certainly mm-hmm. our, our industry, culinary R&D operations are, highly concerned about the quality of the food, the, the, the correct temperature, not only from um, flavor profile and, and integrity of the food, but also from a food safety um, issue. Um, but And consumers historically have told us uh, when you look at takeout that they're willing to uh, give, give a little pass if it's not quite up to quality. But in our, in our research on the topic over the last couple of years, consumers are really kind of raising the bar on expectations. Their uh-huh. expectations are very high for the quality and temperature of the food. We think some of that's really driven by what they've seen with, for example, Domino's uh, trackers um, and the ability to see that it doesn't really necessarily take that long for the food to get to you. Um, back to your point about packaging as well, but it is really forcing a total reevaluation of, of packaging within the industry. There's a um, most of the chains and um, certainly all the packaging suppliers, because of the request from chains, are, are looking at um, a lot of innovation to provide uh, different packaging approaches um, that will not only help convey brand messaging and imaging, but also uh, maintain the product in its in its best form and best temperature. Um, another important point that um, is definitely being uh, evaluated extensively is um, labels or other factors that will um, that are tamper evident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, those. That's very you know important considerations because you know as as you mentioned, consumers do have higher expectations now. Um, we have a ton of choices. If I want to if I want to go get something to eat, I have a million choices in front of me. Uh, I don't have to leave my house to get it. And if, if, uh, if I'm going to order from your restaurant, frankly, it needs to be good because I can go somewhere else very, very easily. And so, uh, you know, higher expectations is sort of the, the name of the game these days. And, and, and that includes delivery. No question. I mean, consumers have higher expectations for everything across the board these days. Mm-hmm. And, and with delivery, um, even if it's being delivered by a third party, the restaurants still need to be aggressively looking at that. Not only, again, to your point from the brand perception and uh, brand perception uh, element, but also for um, product quality, food safety, 
And mm-hmm. bottom line is when if something's wrong with the order or if the quality isn't up to par, the restaurant's the one that gets blamed. Right, right. So um, you uh, you mentioned beverages a little bit, and I wanted to ask you a little. Do you think that beverage delivery, alcohol delivery in particular, is going to be something that uh, kind of uh, takes off over time, or is that going to be uh, a little more of a niche? That's That's kind of an interesting area to me. No, it it is a fascinating area, and um, our research thus far is showing that almost two-thirds of consumers of legal drinking age um, say that they would order alcohol beverages from their favorite restaurant for delivery if they were available. Obviously, you know, just a morass of things to consider with uh, local and state regulations, um, but you definitely are seeing um, some brands experiment with that, you know, Pizza Hut testing uh, delivery of beer and wine in uh, Arizona and California, um, uh, BJ's Brewhouse um, offering uh, testing delivery of their craft beer with delivery orders in California, um, certainly a way to help convey that um, overall brand ex- on-premise brand experience and, and take that into the consumer's living room. Yeah, yeah. I... I... I will be interesting to see interested to see how that works over time. I I I just think it's 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 you know the the concern for casual dining is is always especially as these you know as as these visits move from from a incremental sales to a replacement sales uh over time, you know that that beverage component is going to be pretty important and if they can if they can get consumers to order at least some beverages uh, through delivery or find other add-ons to improve that, um, you know, to to just improve the overall uh, average check on a delivery order, um, then we can, you know, then, you know, then that becomes, uh, you know, beneficial and is less concerning from a profit standpoint. Yeah, and, and, and the challenging part for, for restaurant operators is, is how to do that and, and make any type of a profit off of it because, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's where the rub is. Uh, um, uh, consumers are going to be less likely to order a beverage delivered to the home at the, the margin price that would be required, for example, for, you know, a bottle of wine, for example, um, at, a, at a casual dining price point on the menu when they could potentially – use Instacart or Shipped and, and have a, a, a bottle price that retail delivered to their home around the same time. So mm-hmm. that's just something that operators have to evaluate is are they willing to sacrifice those margins to maintain that uh, overall, so to speak, control of the food and beverage that's being delivered to the consumer as part of the experience just to get that add-on. Yeah, yeah. Well, all sorts of questions. Melissa, Really appreciate it. Wonderful conversation, and, and thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. No, appreciate it. Uh, great, great questions, Jonathan, and it's an ever-evolving area, so we all need to stay, to stay tuned. Like we just discussed, food delivery can help you reach more customers. And partnering with today's sponsor, Uber Eats, is one of the best ways to grow your business through delivery. At the top of the food and drink category in the App Store, Uber Eats is dedicated to helping you delight customers with reliable delivery at Uber speed. Visit about.ubereats.com RB to start expanding your reach today. A deeper dive was edited by Kimberly Colley. 
artwork by Nico Hines and Sarah Stewart. Contributors to this podcast include Peter Romeo, Sarah Rushworth, Pat Colby, and Heather Lally. Executive producer is Sarah Lockyer. You can find this and other episodes on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash podcast. You can also find them on iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host and podcast producer. Thank you for listening.